Alrighty, recording I'm in recording. Audacity. I think we all started recording at the same time. Yes, because great minds think alike. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Android Police Podcast. My name is Daniel Vader. It is Thursday, October 13th, 2022, which means the Pixel 7 and Pixel Watch embargo has lifted. We can talk about it. So that's exactly what we're going to do today. We're not going to do anything else. We're going to pretend that nothing else happened since we recorded last. We were just going to go heads down and focus on these products because we know that's what you want to hear. We give you what you want. So helping me this week, Will Saddleberg, the very tired Will Saddleberg. How <laughs> yes. are you doing? Um, I'm good. I'm, I am, as you say, I am tired, but I'm good. What do you mean you can't work 18-hour days <laughs> two weeks in a row? I went to, I went to bed at 2 a.m. on Tuesday and woke up at 7 a.m. on Wednesday. I guess I, guess I went to bed at 2 a.m. on Wednesday and woke up at 7 a.m. on Wednesday to, to finish the review. I'm nothing if not a benevolent dictator. I let you you sleep four hours a night. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I will say, when I saw your message when you finally got your review and drafted, I was like, oh, thank God, I'm not the only one up right now. I saw it. I was tempted to look at it and edit it at midnight. And then I remember when I was managing editor of Android Central, I would do that. I would work all day and then save my edits for 10, 11 at night. And then I would be a terrible editor because you're so bleary-eyed at that point that it all the words look the same. Yeah. As you are fully aware, Ara. I am fully aware. Ara Wagner, how are you? How's Florida? I am exhausted and also very, very sad because the weather has been freaking beautiful outside all week and I've been inside with Pixel and Prime Day stuff. <laughs> yeah, we also did Prime Day too on the site. Hope you got some good deals, if not from us, then from other places, there weren't as many good ones this year, or at least this year. They've <laughs> never done a prime early access. Yes, they have. Sale. Well, not really. They did one last year, but it was like, it was even smaller than this. Like, they didn't really even advertise it. And it was specifically for newly releasing products. This is the first time they turned it into an actual shopping event. This was a, basically a smaller version of Prime Day. But yeah, I mean, it was exactly as you would expect. I think the only really good deal that stood out to me was the Pixel 6. For three hundred and eighty dollars. Yeah, that was killer. I mean, the Galaxy Watch Four for one fifty was also pretty good. That is a good, yeah, and and we will talk about it, right? Like, I think the Pixel Sevens are very good phones, but nobody who has a Pixel Six should upgrade to it. And in fact, if you have an older Pixel, an older, you know, I, I think a lot of our readers still probably have like a Pixel, maybe not three, but like four XL or four A or five, right? It's not a bad idea to upgrade to the Pixel 6 or 6 Pro right now, yeah. given the state of those devices and how much better they are now than they were at launch last year. But really, the Pixel 7s are an improvement in every area. It's just more about subtleties than like major year-over-year overhauls. Yeah, there is nothing I would say where they went backwards on either of these phones. Like everything that they improved is, or that they try to improve is is an improvement, I would say. Battery life a little bit, I think, maybe on the 7 Pro. <sighs> Did they Pro, try to I, improve it? <laughs> like, I don't even well, know. I, mean, I can't, so XDA right. published something today that looked into power usage at high brightness settings on the 7 Pro, because one of the biggest advantages for the 7 Pro this year is that it's a much brighter screen than the 6 Pro. It's actually like, I think, 30%, 33% brighter, or 50% brighter, rather. And that doesn't usually come with a linear power usage increase. 
And it actually looks like that was the case, right? Like a Samsung phone every year, they get brighter. It doesn't mean that they're considerably less efficient screens because Samsung makes year-over-year efficiency improvements. It looks like the display that Google used on the 7 Pro is just hungry and that they're allowing it to go up to 1500 nits at the expense of energy expenditure. And there were a couple of days last week where I was out Apple picking on a sunny day. I used my phone a lot to take photos and stuff and brightness was max. And by the time I got back to the car at like 4 p.m., my phone was at like 25%. And I didn't really put that together until Adam Conway at XDA started talking about it and doing some measurements and actually proving that it's a considerably less efficient display at high brightness than say the S22 Ultra or the 6 Pro. I'm just going to jump in and say like, even when I was like reviewing the Pixel 5a and when I've tested the Pixel 6a, if you take a phone outdoors for hours and hours on end, your battery's going to go down faster. Like this I, is I spend though. my free like these numbers are like crazy. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah, a scaling like, like problem, the actual numbers are right? like in comparison are like actually incredible how much more power it's drawing than like other similar phones. And it's an aberration in the industry. So obviously, again, an S22 Ultra, if you put it at 1200 nits all day. Obviously, it's going to consume more battery more quickly, but this is disproportionate to its competitors, but also to what it's like at, say, 50% brightness or 75% brightness. So there does seem to be an issue either with the panel itself or with something happening in the drivers. Uh, we haven't heard from Google yet, but anyway, we're kind of jumping ahead. Yeah. Will, yeah. You, yeah. you did review this phone, so we'll start with mm-hmm. the 7 Pro. Yes. You gave it an eight and a half, right? Yes, I did. And I think everybody that has reviewed this phone has praised it, has said it's considerably less buggy, it's considerably more refined than the 6 Pro was at launch, Yeah, but that it doesn't push the boundaries in any meaningful way. Who should buy this phone? Who is this phone for? And what was your sort of TLDR on it compared to some of its competition? Yeah, I'll take that one at a time, I guess. I Who should buy this phone? Um, not Pixel 6 Pro owners or, or even Pixel 6 owners. Maybe Pixel 5 owners or, you know, S20 owners. Anyone who has a phone that's like minimum two years old, closer to three, probably. Like, I definitely don't think that you should be dropping $900 on, on the Pixel 7 Pro if you bought a new phone in 2021 unless it was like you bought like an eighth or, or a 12 or something right like that's if you bought a low-end phone that's one thing but yeah uh, as far as like how it compares you know google's hardware is like the best it's ever been i would say like the physical hardware of the phone i'm not even talking about like specs or anything just like how nice the phone is in your hand and i still think it's like one step below samsung and apple like i really it's so close And like, there's just something about it. I I don't even know what it is that feels like less premium than a, Jesus, I almost said Note 22. An S22 Ultra (laughs) or... Where's the lie? You're thinking about the good old days. I mean, we we, we still miss the Note. It's the same thing. An S22 Ultra or, or an iPhone 14 Pro Max. I don't know if it's the weight. I don't know if it's like how the glossy glass feels in my hand. There's like something about it that's like a B plus in hardware, which is good, but it's like, why isn't it an A? You know what I mean? Specs wise, I think it's like totally comparable in terms of just like sheer hardware. If you're paying almost a thousand dollars for a phone that is being compared to 
two other phones that cost a thousand or a little bit more. I think that's where I fall on it. And I, I, I just don't know what it's missing to like put it over the edge on that. A lot of people dislike the design and that factors I like into it. how it feels and whether it feels premium. Yeah. I mean, I do think there is something to be said for picking up an iPhone, picking up a Galaxy phone and just marveling at its engineering precision that a Pixel just does not have. I think this is much closer than it was last year to those competitors. And the fact that Google kept the prices the same, that's fantastic. But I think this is a very, very nice phone. I think the glossy back on the 7 Pro is ugly and that they should have gone with something. I mean, the colors on the 7s are not quite as, like they're a little bit more prominent and the glass doesn't feel quite as glossy. Plus the matte boundary on the 7, it just kind of feels like a, and looks like a nicer device that you wouldn't necessarily want to hide behind a case. And what's not helping here is that the two phones I have are a black Pixel 7 Pro and a white Pixel 7. And the white Pixel, like just, it's still glossy on the white Pixel 7, but it because it's white and not black, it hides smudges and fingerprints a lot easier. Like they're not not there, but it does not show nearly as much, like even in direct light. Whereas like, the Jesus, it's been a minute since I've held an S22 Ultra. It's it's like frosted, right? It's like matte glass, right? Yeah. 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 That's what I yeah, thought. I, mean, I, so. I, I can picture it in my head, but then I started doubting myself. That or like the iPhone 14 Pro and Pro Max also uses like a, a frosted glass with a glossy camera bump, but you're not touching the camera bump. Like I think that's a big part of it is that like this glossy finish is like just not the premium material that it should be. I think what's good about the 7 Pro and the 7 compared to last year is that the metal frame actually extends over the camera visor this year. You get this like continuity that companies like Samsung and OnePlus, like if you looked at the S21 Ultra, right, the way that the camera kind of curved into the frame and it looked like a single piece and it kind of, and Samsung just completely abandoned that with the <laughs> S22 Ultra, yeah, they, but, they sure did. you know. I think that was about like peak precision. This is not that. And I think part of it is has to do with the fact that like the design of the visor means that regardless of how you try to protect it, there's going to be dust caught right underneath it in that little groove. Mm -hmm. It's super fingerprinty. I like the fact well, that Google made... The Pixel 7 Pros is super fingerprinty and is going to scratch. Like, Will, hasn't yours scratched already? I have a bunch of scratches on my... On the vice. I've had it for yeah, a week I, and I have, I have a bunch of scratches. The glossy finish on the back plates, I can kind of understand the appeal. I do not know why they went with a shiny, like polished on finish store. on the 7 Pro. It looks good in the store, but the second you take it out in the real world, it's going to get scratched as Absolutely. shit. I mean, 100%. I agree. I, the matte. They made I, a I mean, phone that I also, looks pretty in their fancy new Google store, but not. No, like the Pixel 7 just will, it will look better long term because it is a matte finish on the metal. And I should say most of the scratches on, on my camera bar on the on the Pro are like along the bottom of it, like exactly where it lands on a table or a desk. So like that's what it's picking it up from. Like it's mostly me picking it up off a table when it's been sitting without a case on it because I, I did like probably more than half of this review without using a case partially because I don't I'm not in love with the 
the Google case, uh, and partially because I, I wanted to see what it would be like to, to use this if you didn't buy a case. And yeah, it scratches. I don't know. Like you pick it up from things and it, it's going to get scratched. So. so the build quality is good. I like the radius on the display, on the, uh, the curvature on the, on the display on the 7 Pro yeah, is less it, severe. It's, it's better. Pro. I don't fully understand why they kept the curve at all if they were going to dial it back this much. Like Samsung is the reason, but yep. I looked, it's a millimeter narrower than like the iPhone 14 pro max with the same size screen. So like, it's not even save. It's not, it doesn't feel any smaller in your hand. It's not, it, it's, it's wider than the pixel six pro was last year because they reduced this curve. It basically has side bezels because they re- re- reduced this curve. So all it does is it's less comfortable to hold in situations like laying in bed or laying on a couch or like anything where you're not sitting upright. It's just like less comfortable to use. Our editor in chief, James said the same thing. Like we were talking about it. I was like, okay, I'm glad someone else noticed this. Cause I thought I was crazy, but like it's more comfortable to hold the seven than the seven pro because of those curved screens. And like, it's stupid to fight with Samsung over this because I think Samsung's wrong too. I think curved screens are not particularly useful in making the phone feel smaller. Not really. They're big phones no matter what. So, Yeah, I, I think it just comes down to convention at this point and that there's this expectation that a curved display is harder and more expensive and more noticeable as an upgrade. And that this is obviously something that Samsung has perpetuated over the years, ever since the, what is it, the S6 Edge? Is that the first one? Uh, the well, S5? there's the, the Note there's, Edge. The Note Edge, There's the right? Note Edge, yeah, with I just the, wrote about first, this. Yeah. the one side. And I remember back when that came out in 2014, like that was a huge accomplishment, but this is eight years later. I don't think we glean the same advantages anymore. I do think Android has gotten a lot better at edge detection. So the issues you would have around hitting things at the very corners of the display are not there anymore. And I haven't really had an issue with that on the Pixel 6 Pro. But I agree with you. I don't see any inherent advantage to maintaining a curved display. Well, and edge detection. Hooray, we have finally managed to engineer around the problem that we created on a hardware feature that does not actually serve the phone any purpose other than it makes it more breakable. So you're more likely to need to replace it. And it means that the edges of your screen content is going to look weird. And it's annoying to use a screen protector. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, 100 percent. And and. Like they tried, you know, especially Samsung tried to to be like, no, no, no. We have look at all the look at all the things you can do with the edge when you put it face down. And this was specifically with stuff like the Note Edge a decade ago. But like it was like when you put it face down, we'll do different glows and it'll glow on the table and you'll know what the glow means, means. for when you're getting a, a fo- and like all that stuff is either gone or buried in setting and in and, and settings because like. No one found it actually useful. It was just annoying. <laughs> well, again, how many people set their phone face down on a <laughs> I know, surface it's stupid. Unless they are literally going to bed and don't want notification, like right. AOD notifications to light up in their face. But I also find that really funny because the foldables don't have a curved display. Right. And the edge screen feature is enabled by default on those phones. <laughs> yeah. So like the thing that... <laughs> Samsung made a big deal about seven, eight years ago is not present on its flagships anymore. And it's still lying probably to itself more than to us about the advantage of a curved display. Anyway, all that being said, I think 
this is just something that we have to accept. It's a very small potatoes thing. I had it in a case so that the visor does not protrude. And I far prefer that. It just feels like a more usable device that way. I do think it's slightly too big, this, the 7 Pro. Let's talk about the biometrics. So fingerprint sensor underneath the screen is improved. Some people say it's not faster, like MKBHD in his video said it's not faster. Some people have said it's significantly faster. I mean, your mileage may vary. I, I don't find it considerably faster, but I didn't have a problem with the 6 Pro's fingerprint sensor. When I was holding the 6 and the, and the 7 Pro like next to each other, it was like half a beat faster is how I would describe it. Like, It's not ultrasonic fast. It's not back of the phone fast, but it was like just enough of an improvement to, for me to notice it and to be like, even not next to each other, like I can tell this is just ever so slightly like getting me to the home screen faster. So what's interesting though is I haven't used it nearly as much because of the new face unlock feature. So this is a feature that was expected to launch with the 6 Pro. In fact, early marketing materials that surfaced before the phone launched in 2021 showed face unlock as an option, but it was not present in the phone's firmware. Subsequent updates did not bring it. And it looks like Google just spent an extra year improving on it or whatever. This is not a biometric unlock, so it's not going to give you access to your password managers or your mobile payments, but it's literally just to quickly unlock your lock screen in good lighting conditions. And I will emphasize good lighting conditions because the second you get below what is like considered normal ambient indoor lighting, it does not work anymore. I have had it not working while there's two lamps on in my, <clears throat> in my right. living room. I would basically say that once the sun sets, that feature is gone, like more or less. And it's October. So in two months, face and lock will not be usable after like 5 p.m. for me, right. like straight up, you know, like. And half of the U.S. Well, yeah, not just. And me, all of Canada. All of Canada. For face and lock, I'm not a huge fan of under camera displays. I know the tech is getting there, but it's not there yet. I want an under display solely sensor so we can get back that actual usable, good working face unlock. Because that was the one thing Soli got right. Yeah, I think I, I said this last week, but I, I really wish that there was someone trying to do a, a Face ID competitor because it really is handy on iOS. And I think a, a phone that had something even close to that quality combined with a fingerprint sensor would really be like the best of both worlds. I mean, who knows if Apple could have done this earlier, but the fact that it took five years to significantly shrink the sensors in Face ID tell me that it's a pretty hard problem to solve and that if Apple could, and they might one day, put it under the display so that it's not exposed and it's not covering pixels, you know, maybe it will, but that does not seem like a priority. And my guess is that Google has to balance security with convenience. And I think really they hit the mark here as much, you know, you can complain that it doesn't work when you have fewer than two lamps on in your living room. But the reality is that for most people in most situations, this will be a really fast, easy alternative to using your fingerprint. And that fingerprint is now a little bit faster than it was last year. I can't complain about this. Like, I too miss my Pixel 4. I miss motion, not really motion sense, but I miss the 3D unlock that it provided. I think Google nailed it this year, especially since. The front-facing camera itself is just better. It's a higher resolution. It's wider on the 7 Pro. It's just, it's good. 
wait, it doesn't have autofocus on the on the, on the front, right? Just on the on the ultra wide on the rear. I keep mis I keep getting those. I think confused. it's just on the ultra wide on the rear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, oh yeah, it's the iPhone 14's front facing camera. I have 14 Pro's front facing that has a, um, autofocus this year. So let's talk about the cameras. Will you took a lot of photos for this review? What was your opinion on how improved it was? What use cases it's great for comparing it to competitors, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, I, I, this is where I just beg Google again to put a telephoto on the smaller phones because the telephoto is really impressive this year combined with all their software stuff with super res zoom. Like in some cases, you know, that 30x zoom is, is usable enough that it's impressive if everything lines up. And by everything, I mean it's daytime and you're outside and you're taking a photo of a building. But sometimes you'll want to do that so that's cool the zoom is is really good i think the 5x shots with the telephoto like when you're just leaving it at 5x all look really good certainly much better than the 7 if you're zooming into 5x and, and using software it's night and day the primary sensor is about as good as it was last year a little bit i think they've tuned it a little bit better but it's not like a massive leap the ultra wide on the pro is now actually like an ultra wide lens and not uh, 114 degrees or whatever but it's the, still uh, that on the seven and that kills is, yeah. me why i have a comparison in my review that shows just how different they are and like it is a very noticeable difference between the two um i don't know why they didn't i mean i do it's it's got to be a cost thing they wanted to keep that 600 dollar figure and, and that was one of the sacrifices but it's it's a bummer yeah, I mean, they're pixel phones, like they're going to take good photos. Like you're, I think people are going to be really impressed, especially with the pro, especially with that telephoto. Like I said, 30x maybe is a little extreme, but like I was getting some pretty good 10x shots using Super Red Zoom. So I found the 10x photos remarkably good. Yeah, like I took a 10x photo when I went apple picking on the weekend where I took like a ton of photos and I was like, wait a second, was I really this close? Because I thought it was a 5x because it was so clear. And really, like with Samsung's on the Ultra, the native 10X is probably not that sharp. I mean, it probably is. Like I, I haven't done side-by-side. -side. Actually, I should do that. I should, I should test that. I think the Verge had some side-by-side -side shots and, and it was sharper on the Ultra, but it wasn't like a huge difference between the two, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, realistically, it's gonna be sharper on the native zoom, but then you don't have the flexibility. Exactly. I think. Last year, and I've said this before on the show, last year's 4X telephoto on the Pixel 6 Pro was like low-key, it's most underrated feature. Like I use that thing all the time because it was so sharp. And this is, I don't think as sharp, I don't think so, but the fact that you get a little bit of extra focal length, focal distance on this, I, I actually think it's a good compromise, especially since you're getting native crop at 2X now. And because of that, if you go to 3X, if you go to 4X, you, you can actually get decent photos. So I think it's just, it's easily one of the most flexible camera systems on a smartphone today. And, and you get macro this year on the 7 Pro, which mm -hmm. isn't amazing, but at least it's, it's there. Yeah. I am coming at this from someone who used a, a 6 for the better part of the last year and not a 6 Pro. So like I have not been able to necessarily like back you up on on the 4X, but I, I will. So like, you know, even the the 6 Pro to 7 Pro comparisons, like I can't say I'm disappointed with the 5X. Like I, I finally get what you've been talking about in terms of like, no, it's the best thing about the 6 Pro in terms of the 4X because 
I kind of feel that way about the 5X on the 7 Pro as well. Yeah. Night Sight, there are some new features in here that you, you can actually dictate how long a Night Sight shot takes. So you get the default and then you can max it out. And in my testing, what that usually does is in really, really dark environments, you get a better, lighter shot. But at regular low light, like you're outdoors, there's maybe a street lamp or two that's lighting the scene. You just get considerably lower noise. You get photos with much less noise. One photo I, I took last night for comparison, the two-second exposure, I got like one over 4,800 and something for ISO. But the five-second exposure, I got half that. I got like 2,300. You can see a very noticeable improvement in noise. So not only is it faster at shooting and processing night sight photos, but just the process itself has been made a bit more robust. And then also, according to Mr. Mobile, he went to Iceland, which is a great place to test a phone. If you take an astrophotography shot, it will create a time lapse for you automatically and upload it to Google Photos. Daniel, I think we need to test that ourselves. Um, I volunteer <laughs> for you to send me to uh, Iceland. Uh, I'm glad to bite the bullet on this one. Um, I actually, I hear Greenland is is really nice this time of year. No, it's, no I mean, it's got no. green in the name, right? Like, I think, <laughs> I think that would be a perfect alternative. In all seriousness, um, though, I cannot wait to get the Pixel 7 in my hands and go see how it handles fireworks, even though the 7 oh, won't yeah. be quite as good at Zoom photos as the Pro would be. I'm excited for you to experience that. Um, <laughs> given, given it's like all the, the perfect Venn diagram of all of the things that you like in your life. You should have a dull whip while you're taking a photo of the fireworks <laughs> with your 7. It's going to be amazing. That's like a, a highlight every year for me at, a, at Buffalo's Food Festival is that you can get, it's like one of the only times you can get a Dole Whip here. Delightful. Before I met Ari, I did not know what a Dole Whip was, and uh, now I do. You can get Dole Whip at home so long as you have an ice cream maker or even one of those freezer bowl oh, yeah, thingies on Amazon's because you know, they sell the mixes now. Just add water. They last yeah, forever. Yeah. Let's talk battery life on the 7 Pro. What was your experience like? Like, not great. And to be honest, I don't think I was even outside like that much. Not as long as it sounds like you were. I basically didn't end a day below or above 20%. And usually that did involve like, I drove somewhere in the car and the phone was plugged in in my car. So it should have been charging for a little bit. You know what I mean? And it was still like, I've been off the charger for 12 or 13 hours and it's at 14%. I just can't imagine using this phone without charging, without like topping up a little bit during the day. Like, especially if it's a Friday or Saturday and you like have plans to go do something, you are not going to be able to just like leave the house again without thinking about it and get to like 1am without this phone dying. You are going to want to plug it in, which I should say I was, I was running it at 1440p and not 1080. I'm back at 1080. I don't know if that will make a big difference. You, you couldn't switch that last year and you can this year. Yeah, I don't know. My screen on time has been like four to five hours. I'm going to use it a little bit longer and then I'm going to switch to the seven for a bit. I, I'm hoping that like adaptive battery kicks in and like starts evening stuff out. But but so far it has like really bummed me out how poor this thing is at, uh, at lasting throughout a, a full day without having to think about battery life. Yeah, I've had that same experience. Some days there's like no issue, but that's the exception, not the rule. Yeah. I should say I did finish above 20% yesterday, but that was because I was like busy the whole day and was not on the phone. So like, if you're not touching it at all, you should be fine. But if you're using it 
you know, normally throughout your day. It's going to need to be plugged in and it doesn't have particularly fast charging. It's the the same situation as last year where you can hit like 23 watts with like Google's charger or whatever, even though it's rated at 30. It's pretty slow by modern standards for fast charging. I was at like 8% yesterday around 7 p.m. And I plugged in the phone, gave my daughter a bath, came back like 20 minutes later, and it was only at like 22%. And I was like, oh my God. That like, has been my experience too. It's where so you're like, frustrating this... when you're used to any other phone. Yeah, this should be fast. better than this. Like, I, I will yeah. say the Pixel 6 has never given me issues, but I also like chargers are my thing. So I have tons of them and I know ones that work. Like I can consistently get my Pixel, even my Pixel 6a and the Pixel 6, I can get them to charge at like 20 watts consistently. It's just a matter of once you get above 75%, I think it was, it just starts slowing down. But when it gets dead, it recharges pretty quickly for me. But I also know that charger tech for the Pixel is just screwy from start to finish. (laughs) It's entirely possible that the charger I plugged it into was not PPS and therefore it was only getting like 12 watts or whatever. But that is the thing, right? Like obviously with something like OnePlus, it's even more particular because you have to have the plug and the cable in order to hit those 100 watt speeds but i think even at regular power delivery speeds a oneplus phone is giving you more than 20 watts i'd have to double check that yeah i believe so i also just like you know if it's going to be so finicky about even hitting 23 watts it really wants you to use you know all of google's like documentation is like yeah it'll hit 23 watts with our charging brick then they should go back to putting that charging brick in the box. <laughs> no, you can you can pay twenty five bucks for it. Yeah, or you know, I'm sure. paying nine hundred dollars for the buy phone. Buy <laughs> a better third party one that'll support P- sure. uh, PPS up to like sixty five or hundred watts for your laptop, because then it'll definitely work for your phone too. Well, my, my I have a gaming laptop, so do you have one of those little barrel ports that? No, you always no, it's lose? it's a it's a Razer laptop, and it actually does technically charge over over USB-C, but only if you're doing it for like normal laptopy things and not like anything like high performance. Like when we when when Steven and I were in New York and I finally we finally got a table next to an outlet. Um well he plugged in his Windows 7 laptop. That's not a joke. Uh he oh I, I plugged uh I plugged mine in. I just used USB C. I didn't take out the full the full brick. We needed an intervention is what we <laughs> I listen. I tried bullying him in person. It didn't work. We need to show up in Philadelphia <laughs> with like a brand new laptop running Windows 11, and just be like, "You're setting this up in front of our eyes so that you won't go back to your old Windows 7 laptop when we leave." He has a graphics card and just waiting for a the rest of a desktop to go into. <laughs> so bad, so so bad, Stephen. I'm I'm just sitting over here silently hoping that nobody will pay attention to the fact that I've been working off of Chromebooks for the last five years. Yeah, but Chrome OS, it's, it's not the hardware, it's the it's the software. Windows 7 is barely being supported anymore. Yeah, so I, I can agree to that, but yeah. Stephen is basically the IRS. It's, <laughs> it's just there's so much baggage there that you can't update any of the, any of the software. All right, um, what else? Let's talk connectivity yeah. and performance. So the Tensor G2, we didn't really need to do benchmarks to tell that this is a very similarly performing device to last year. Minor speed improvements to the Cortex-X2 cores, changes from the Cortex-A76 to A78, and slight speed increases on the A55 cores. 
This is basically a benchmark equivalent to like a Snapdragon 865 at this point, not even close to what you'll get on a Snapdragon 8 Gen 1. Plus, we're getting ready for the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2. Will, you're going to Hawaii <laughs> for Lucky that. bastard. I know. If I can get that Iceland trip, I'll really be... Uh... Oh. No, you're going to Greenland. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, like, to send you there with a one-way ticket. Buffalo in January is just Greenland anyway. So, Actually, like, side note, I was looking through your review, and you have this photo, and I know it's, it's like the face unblur section, yeah. or the, the unblur section, yeah. but you have this photo of like a snowstorm. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, is it snowing already in Buffalo? <laughs> that was uh, in October. That was my, uh, <laughs> and I that have was been my surprised. college experience was, uh, was just um, both, both my freshman and sophomore year. It was uh, sophomore year. God, it was so bad. The, the blizzard we got hit was so bad that the entire week of, uh, we missed an entire week of class. It got canceled. Did you go to school in Buffalo? I went to school in Fredonia, which is like an hour south of Buffalo. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had like a panic attack. I was like, oh my God, did it snow there last week? No. Is, is it coming for me? No, it's, it's that shot's from <laughs> like 20, coming for me? <laughs> 2014, I think. Yeah, it's, it's old. And just like sides to the side note, our, uh, uh, it snowed in Winnipeg today. So like all of our former Winnipeg colleagues are like complaining that it snowed. So it's not unheard of for it to snow in Canada in October. It's a beautiful 84 degrees here. What's and beautiful I, about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it felt so good the last few days. Like, especially yesterday, I walked outside to grab a package, and the moment I was out the door, I was like, oh, man, can I just yeah. Can I just take off and go to the parks for the rest of the day, <laughs> please? You can work outdoors. That is, I a, can. that is a thing you can do. It is. Oh, breaking news. Netflix's what? ad tier will cost $7 a month and launch wow. in November. Seven and you still get ads? Are they still we're doing this live? Well, that's the Hulu thing. That's like what Hulu costs. Is that how much Hulu costs with eight or nine? I think it's about to go up to nine, maybe. It uh, isn't Disney raising other prices. Like four bucks at one point. Yeah, well, I still get it free with Spotify. It was five bucks if you were a student. It's never been five bucks just for regular people. I say having been a Hulu subscriber since like two thousand and nine. Um, I, as the resident, I, uh, canceled Netflix in, um, uh, October, April of this year and haven't looked back. Um, $7, is there a resolution on this? Do we know? Is it still, is it going to make you use 480p like their, like their cheapest plan? Video up to 720p. Fuck off. Yeah, no, that's, that's bullshit. <laughs> that's just straight bullshit. Are they the only streaming service that puts limitations on resolution? Like Disney doesn't, HBO Yet. doesn't, although most of their Yet. stuff is not in 4K. <sighs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's it's weird. I fully believe um, that whatever the new whatever next year's version of HBO Max is, because they've said that they're getting rid of HBO Max and Discovery Plus and combining them into one service. I guarantee yeah, you whatever wow. platform that is will charge based on screen resolution. Considering all I mean of it's all movies. bad and 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 it it's all bad. Uh Hulu is eight dollars a month right now with ads. And 10, either 10 or 11 15, without ads and totally. 15. 15. It's not 15. I'm, I'm on the website. It's 15. I don't think I pay 15. They raised the price like kind of recently. Oh. Yeah. My Netflix for the 4K four person version is $23 a yep. month Canadian now. 
That was why we canceled. It was, it was like twenty one after tax or and, something. Okay, here. so like actually, let's break. Bringing bring like I know this is a huge tangent, and listeners, I'm so sorry, Jules. Maybe you can put in like chapters or something because <laughs> like this is the next couple of minutes is not going to be about the pixel anyway. Um, but talking about like Netflix and trying to keep you as a subscriber, so they just launched a couple of like really good games for mobile, including Spiritfarer last week, which was a game I discovered on Xbox Game Pass last year. And it was one of my favorite casual games to play. And I discovered they made a version for mobile. It is so good. And it's it was like, I was thinking about it in the car the other day. I was like, let's go over the subscriptions. Like, what can we drop? What can we not drop? And for a second, I was like, no, I can't, I can't cancel Netflix right now. I'm playing Spiritfarer. And it was the first time since they launched games for subscribers that I actually thought about the games that I would lose access to by canceling Netflix. And like that is straight up what they are trying to do by partnering with game studios, right? Is like make it just a little bit harder for you to justify canceling because you have that game save and you don't want to lose access to it, right? Anyway, like that's a complete tangent, but like sort of mobile related so yeah i'm i'm looking at this i know we, we should probably get back to pixel but i'm i'm looking at this so so just to be clear uh it's four to five minutes of ads per hour they will show before and during shows and movies uh which is really annoying i really wish they would have just you know just front load a movie with like four ads so i can watch it without interruptions you mean so you can press play and walk into the other room that's why no. they're mid-roll guys yeah but i just this is just not appealing at all well, me. they want you to pay more for the non-ad plan. They raised their prices and I stopped paying for them at all. <laughs> this is true. Dynamic ad insertion in movies yeah. is awful. Yep. It's worse than it was on cable. At least cable, they had to like format the film to show it on TNT on a Sunday. Like, like they're like, yeah, we got to like show lost. Michael Mann's heat on TNT. It's, it's going to be four <laughs> and a half hours long like, and, and, and heavily edited. But God, do we have a place where all these ads can go? It's going to fade to black on, on, on Robert De Niro's face. It's perfect. And like these, this is not going to be that. It's just going to cut from like, you know, whatever uh, Val Kilmer running down the street to like, you know, uh, uh, Charmin. They're sitting at. on the kitchen table. Like, yeah. <laughs> like the, the thing is that those all have Spielberg-esque interventions where they change the guns to like sticks. Yeah. And you're just like, why am I watching this on TNT at one in the <laughs> morning true. when I could literally stream it on the same television? Um, yeah. Anyway. So Pixel um yes let's let's get back to it so we're talking <laughs> connectivity we're talking performance not a huge performance improvement uh what's interesting to me though like there was a lot of there, there was an expectation that the tensor g2 would be built on samsung's four nanometer process that turns out not to be the case it actually is a slightly improved and more efficient five nanometer process the gpu however has been improved and now we know that it's a very different architecture. It's a newer ARM architecture for the GPU. So it's a much more efficient and faster design, but it uses seven cores compared to the 20 cores on the GPU last year, which means it's much, much more efficient and it's gonna use considerably less energy. It's not gonna heat up your phone as much, but it's also not faster overall. It's just more efficient per watt, which means you're gonna save some battery but it's not like 
you're getting massive performance gains in the games that you play. It's just not going to eat your battery and it's not going to throttle nearly as badly. So that's a good thing because the Pixel 6 throttled like crazy in games. Yeah, I am not a huge mobile gamer, I'll be honest. I, I played a couple rounds of uh, of League of Legends on it and didn't notice any. I mean, the phone got like a little warm, but I didn't notice any um any major issues. The phone gets warm in general though. Like it I, does. I, it just you know, browsing the web or whatever, like it, it will get warm in your hand. So it, it is what it is there. But yeah. You did a bunch of signal tests because a lot of people were wondering how this phone's modem fares compared to the six pro, which was I think it's Achilles heel, right? What were your takeaways there? I really want to do more of this. I, I also want to caveat all of this by saying like, I didn't really have any major issues with the Pixel 6 losing signal or, or having a, a weak enough signal that like speeds were impacted. That said, like my tests were uh, almost inconclusive, but I would say that like modem performance is about on par uh, with the with the six series is is my kind of takeaway right now. Like I in one test, the the Pixel Six was actually a little bit stronger of a signal than the the Seven Pro, and in another test, it was the opposite. Although in that test, I will say the Seven Pro was able to get a much stronger signal for a while before it it dipped back down to about the same levels. So take that for what it is, but I would suspect that it's it's probably similar performance overall. Yeah, I'll echo that by saying I live in an area with extremely good 5G signal. I never really had an issue. But the aforementioned Apple picking I went to this weekend had pretty spotty signal. Um, I remember going to the same place earlier this summer for strawberry picking, because you can you can do that here in the summer. I think I was using, uh, was it? a OnePlus 10 Pro or a Samsung Galaxy S22 Ultra, one of the Qualcomm-powered one. And I stayed on 5G there basically the whole time as well. I was on LTE pretty much the entire time uh, on the 7 Pro. When I do have 5G on the 7 Pro, the signal strength is about the same as I got on the 6 Pro. So it's not a massive improvement. And I think that'll come out as more people get the phone and and, and like test it in, in different environments. There's sort of a, a reviewer bias in a lot of cases because most reviewers live in big cities, right? So that data only starts filling out as people in more rural areas get their devices and start testing them at a wider scale. And then they start reporting oh, I don't have signal compared to the phone that I just upgraded from. Yeah, I uh, I did not hear as much about the connectivity issues before my parents and my sister all got Pixel 6s. And I definitely heard about it once they started using them because like, my mom will drive like out to Fredericksburg and there'll be pl- big stretches on that road where she just doesn't get signal anymore. Yeah. You know, uh, Iceland is probably pretty rural if you want to. <laughs> I, no, I, 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 I disagree <laughs> because I believe Iceland probably has outstanding connectivity for a very small Yeah, only one area. way to find out. Um, uh, um, you're, no, you're I, actually, you're really asking me to send you to Greenland now, just saying, because <laughs> I bet you the connectivity there is far, far sparser. Just send him to Yellowstone in like the dead of yeah. February. <laughs> Yeah, just dead. send me the Yellowstone. Sure, I'll do that. You can hang out, hang out with the um, hang out with the grizzly bears. The grizzly bears. Sure. Are, what's geysers? You don't, they don't have moose in Yellowstone, do you? No, they have a they have bison in Yellowstone. I think. Bison, but the that's uh, the moose yeah. are up in the yeah. Canada part of the Rockies. Yeah, that's right. All right, let's just talk about the software features. Um, yeah. Unblur. You have a lot of really good examples. It works. It's it's it pretty does. amazing. 
this was tough for me because the best examples I have are actually like photos of my dumb friends doing dumb things that I didn't <laughs> want to publish online. But like all of those photos are like, well, not all of them, but all the blurry ones are like a decade old. And like there's a photo that is from 2013 that is a, an embarrassing photo of one of my friends. It's a very funny memory, but the, there's one photo of it and it's like it's really blurry. Like Like I was laughing when I took it. And so it's like camera shake. And it was also on a Galaxy Nexus to like really cement how bad the quality is. And like I ran it through photo and blur and like it's still not a good image, but it is now a relatively clear image, which is like crazy that like this thing I took nine years ago, over nine years ago, uh, is now like improved because of this tool. Like I, I cannot say enough good things about it. I think it's really impressive. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those things where like it's probably only a Pixel 7 exclusive feature because they needed it 100%. to sell the phones. Yeah, you this cannot is happening. Fool me. <laughs> I mean, Google is saying that it, it's processing locally on the Tensor G2 and and the the improvements to the TPU and the GPU are yeah. enabling this. I would say in a year from now, this will just be part of the Google One subscription. It'll be done on the cloud. Also, two weeks from now, someone will figure out how to port it to a Pixel 6 because that's what happened with Magic Eraser last year. Like Exactly. And yeah. also, like it's not, that, it's not necessarily that none of the other phones can do it. It's just that it can probably do it a lot more slowly. Yeah. So definitely. you might have to wait a few more seconds for it to process. But this is out there now, along with Magic Eraser. I think it's a really interesting set of features that are pixel exclusive officially just one of those things that like google continues to tout as like the advantage of buying a pixel phone obviously there are a couple of others there's a new call quality improvement feature here for the pixel 7 i've made a few calls with it i i haven't noticed it like a, a market improvement in, in quality is it out i actually i think it's coming soon okay that's potentially why yeah. Um, my, my phone call, I took a, I took one, one, I, I didn't make a ton of phone calls on it cause it's 2022, but I did take a, a fairly long phone call on it and, and I sounded fine or it, it, the, the caller sounded fine. I was told that I sounded fine, et cetera. It, it, it was good. I I'm excited to see that call, call quality stuff when it, when it's out. There's improvements to text to speech. There's improvements to direct my call that, branching stuff like i think we talked about this last week so we don't really have to go through it in great detail but yeah i think meaningful improvements across the board i've had zero bugs on this phone which i can't really say is true of any previous pixel including the six so google clearly nailed it android 13 has been super solid uh, before we move on to the pixel watch because we're already almost at an hour let's talk about the pixel 7 $300 cheaper. We've talked about some of the differences already, but a lot of people are going to prefer the Pixel 6. The size, the colors, the matte frame, and 90 hertz display, so not 120 hertz. It's not LTPO. They've also shrank the display down from 6.4 to 6.3 inches, which sounds not like it's a big deal, but combined with slimmer bezels, it it feels so much better in your hand than the the Pixel Six did. The the Seven is like, uh, it, it's I've been using the Seven Pro, but I just can't wait to get my hands like to switch over to the Seven because it's like it's so much more comfortable. Like it's such a good size. Oh, we didn't talk about cinematic blur and improvements to camera to video. Yes. Did you find significant improvements 
to the video quality over the six series. I want to do more testing on this. I, I, to be honest, like I only really had it for five days and a lot of that was taking photos and not videos. I did take some videos. I think my immediate impressions are that the stabilization is good. It does a good job, especially if you are not panning. Once, once you start panning, it does get a little shaky, but if you are trying to hold it steady or even just walking with it and holding it steady, it does a good job of removing shake. I need to mess around with the 10-bit HDR stuff because like, it's washed out compared to like like my 4K 10-bit HDR footage is washed out compared to what I got with that turned off just recording in 4K. I don't know if this is something where if you dropped it into Premiere or any other editing suite and messed around with the colors, if you would like get more detail out of it and, and like it's just waiting for that. But if that's the case, most people aren't going to do that. So it, it's kind of a useless feature, but I want to play around with it regardless. Okay, so let us know which pixel you prefer if you've picked one up, podcast at andropolice.com. Let's talk about the watch. So this is, uh, you know, this, this is the more controversial of the releases. Most people gave this between like a six and a seven out of 10 that I've seen. I think that's accurate, right? This is a well-made, very nicely designed watch with a lot of problems. And so those it's problems, a Google device. Yeah, and, and like it's a V1 Google device that has those like typical issues. But the fact that this has been in the works for so long and the problems are not the ones that you would necessarily expect from a V1. That's what I was going to say. It doesn't fail where you think it would fail. It fails with <laughs> right. the fitness stuff. <laughs> right. So let's let's just talk about it. So 41 millimeter OLED display. Yes, the bezels no. are big. The display Sorry. isn't 41 millimeters. You're right. The dimensions Sorry. of the entire watch are 41 millimeters. Yeah. They won't millimeters. tell us how like, big the screen is. I would that, guess that's like 38, 39 millimeters. Yeah. It's probably 38 yeah. given, you know, it's, 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 it's like, a smallish watch. It's a compact watch. It's yeah. not, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's small. It's just that every other smartwatch has gotten bigger over the last few years. But I like this size. I think it works really nicely a lot of people are going to be upset that there isn't a bigger version of this. And I think next year there will be. There's the demand for that too. I'm really surprised they didn't, if they were going to make one size, I'm, I'm almost surprised that they didn't meet more in like a 43, 44 millimeter, uh, you know, but, but it is, I mean, it is what it is. I know Ara, I know it wouldn't work for you at all. I know you're happy about it. I'm just saying, I'm just like looking at where watches are going and, and, you know, in the same way that phones got big, I'm surprised that they didn't go like, well, the people with small wa small wrists will they'll, they'll put up with it or whatever. If it's going to be a V1 device that's going to have issues somewhere, only having one size that might end up needing to be recalled if whatever goes wrong with those proprietary straps or anything else that might significantly break on this watch. I'd rather have them give us a watch that is actually reasonably sized rather than just chasing smartwatch trends that may or may not have any real focus outside of enthusiast circles like not everybody wants the big huge ultra watch on their wrist that's true and i think this is the better compromise to appeal to the widest potential audience which i think is pretty small <laughs> like <laughs> if you think about the potential audience for this product it's it's pixel users right like you technically you can compare this with any android phone but most people that are going to consider this are Pixel owners. And considering that there's only like 20-something million Pixel users, that's not a ton of people, especially since it's $350. So there's a lot of things to consider here. One, the, I think the design is great. You know, the rounded, beautifully curved OLED display and the glass meets the aluminum frame really nicely. 
The crown is awesome. Like, even though it doesn't have inertial scrolling, I think the actual feel, the mechanism is is precise. It works really well in Wear OS 3.5. The speaker's pretty good. It, it, it's pretty loud. I don't love the proprietary straps, Ara, and and I'm I'm very excited for you to actually get this to try them. The latch is weird. I don't know, Will, if you found this. Like Google says that they designed it to be like an SLR camera. You find that point and you twist it and it locks into place. I get that. It takes a bit of time to get used to the removal and input of, of the strap. It took me but till yesterday. <laughs> I I don't know. I didn't I don't I don't love it. I also don't love that like how expensive they I wanna, are. I wanna just and then and then Ara can talk about straps. I just wanna because so I figured like yesterday it finally clicked with me of like, oh okay, like I was trying too hard to remove it. Like it's mm. it's it's That's you have right. to be a little like gentler with it than you'd think. And it's the same when you click it into place. Like once you figure it out, you're like, oh okay, I, I see how this would work. Um, I want to say that like I have this other band for it. I have this woven band uh, that I don't even like that much to begin with. But I it like and I want to bring this up because I saw I think Steven and, and Taylor were talking about it, too. But like it wobbles like in a way that the silicon band doesn't like when I put it on. Wait, let me see if I can if I can make this noise with it. If it'll uh, if it'll click. I don't know if you guys can hear that. Me no, might be canceling I, I it out. Say. It'll be. It should be in the recording because it's loud. Like the thing, like does not lock into place totally. It wobbles and like moves around, and you can hear it on your person. It's kind of annoying in a way that, like, if they had just used like normal bands, I don't think it would be doing that. So I'm concerned that their band mechanism might not be very good in terms of like keeping things like locked and secure. Yeah. I bought one of the leather bands and I got it yesterday and I don't love the color. I don't love the feel of it. It's it's not great leather. That's the crafted leather band. There were two colors. One was black, which I I didn't I have the silver version, so like getting the black one was untenable because it has black lugs. Um so the only one I really could get was the ivy version. I don't love green leather. I like green. I just don't like it as a leather color. It's a lot lighter in person than it is on the website too. It's 110 Canadian dollars, which is oh. I think it's like 89 or or 79 US dollars. Uh this is not worth it. And as Will said, if you look at the attachment, like the lug attachment straight on, you actually see a gap between where the strap meets the frame. So you can like see into the mechanism, which is bizarre. And it didn't happen with the active band that I have. So I am also concerned, Will, that this is not, you know, the engineering of this, I feel like it's over-engineered and it may not be quite as robust as Google hopes it will be, but we'll see. I mean, the thing is that if the Apple Watch is anything to go by, this is it, right? Google will never be allowed to change how its straps connect to the watch. Well, so, they'll be allowed to go back to standard metal logs if this completely and utterly fails. And I mean, but uh, they'll I, piss I people to. off with that. Yeah, I, I doubt that'll happen. What will probably end up, and my, my biggest concern is I've used cheap third-party Apple Watch straps and they suck. They break easily and they, they don't look great. And I expect the same thing will happen here, where companies will not work with Google 
It will just build cheap imitation versions of the strap to work with this mechanism. They will break. They will have people like lose confidence in the product and they'll be forced to spend like $60 on a decent strap. Well, we right now don't have any third party options at all. I would have thought we would at least get like a Bellroy leather strap for this. Me too. Because we always get them for the case for the phone. And honestly, all of the case colors for the Pixel 7 and Pixel 7 Pro were fire this year. But yeah, we don't have any third party strap support right now outside of the no name brands that are just like dropping these white label bands on Amazon. And they're all really inexpensive. I'm, I have very little confidence in any of them so far, but that's what we can get outside of the active band in three or four really dull, uninspired colors, the leather band in black, and then this light ivy mehness. And the stretch band looks horrible, depending on the color that it is. There's zero great strap options for this watch at launch. And that's unfortunate because this is a watch. The strap matters. Not only do we need to be able to trust that this thing is going to be able to stay in and stay on our wrist, let alone stay on our wrist at the proper, like, the spot to where it's like, it's not too tight on your wrist. It's not too loose on your wrist. So you don't lose the constant heart rate monitoring and thus get locked back out of the watch if you use Google Pay on the watch because Google Pay requires a pin code. I've been screaming into the void since they announced that this was going to be a proprietary band. And now that it's here, I'm like, yeah, this is this is everything I feared and more. That said, like, I have really enjoyed using this watch so far just from a smartwatch perspective. It's a really good Wear OS watch. It improves on a lot of the issues with older Wear OS 2.0 based devices. It works really well as a notification triage machine, right? You can use it for sleep tracking. Fitness is okay if you're not like an intense fitness buff, but the Fitbit integration is flawed. And, you know, it just does not work as seamlessly as Google said it would. There's no auto tracking on the device itself. So for example, if you go on a run, your watch will detect the run, but it will only show as a run after it's synced to Fitbit and Fitbit has processed it. And you won't get any GPS data or anything like that. Exactly. If you don't explicitly select a run, it won't track your GPS, right? Well, so, so it tracks it as an activity, but not an actual workout. Yeah, and it uses the accelerometer yeah. to decide what kind of activity you're doing. So, it's, which I assume means it'll it'll only detect like walking and running and and like maybe and cycling. cycling. Yeah. yeah, Manuel went on a bunch of bike rides okay, and it detected cool. that. Cool, but it's just a weird miss, right? Like Fitbit devices have been able to do this on the device for a very long time. Uh, and and Samsung, so do Samsung and Apple. Yeah, uh, watches. Yeah. So there's that. I think the Fitbit integration makes sense. But the other thing that was really elegantly pointed out by friend of the show, a senior gadget editor at Engadget, Sherilyn Lowe, in her review, was that Google slash Fitbit is paywalling a lot of very useful data behind a Fitbit premium subscription. And while you only, while you do get a six-month trial of this, once that expires, your SOL and you have either have to pay 10 bucks a month or you lose all that legacy data. It's not great. And I think it's weird that Apple does not paywall this and it has a better 
tracking better, more robust ecosystem now than Fitbit does. So I don't know. It just it feels greedy. It feels like this isn't Google, right? If Google really wants to make a push for this as a fitness device and they want you to spend $350 on it, that's not the move. But I mean, it's been Fitbit's modus operandi for years now, which is unfortunate. And most of the other like fitness bands and fitness oriented smartwatches have these things like you need the subscription to even buy the device in some cases. The problem being, this isn't a fitness watch. This isn't a fitness band. This is a smartwatch. And at least the basic stuff should be free forever. But that's the thing. Google bought Fitbit. Google promised to integrate Fitbit natively into the Pixel Watch. Fitbit powers all of Google's fitness goals for Wear OS, basically. Like if you're not a Samsung, your device is going to be powered by Fitbit in some form. There's an API that allows you to connect and like sync up all your data from these other services. But like the default provider of fitness tracking on Wear OS is Fitbit now. The fact that they are paywalling that means that essentially Fitbit is still a standalone entity that happens to be providing a service like Strava or MapMyRun to Google, even though Google owns Fitbit. And that you are forced into this relationship with Fitbit as a paid user that you shouldn't have to go through when you're buying a Pixel Watch. Especially at these prices. I mean, we only get six months for a $350 watch. That should be a year minimum or a like permanent discount. Like as long as you own a Pixel Watch, you can get this percentage off of your Fitbit premium subscription. Well, I mean, it should be as long as you own a Pixel Watch, you, you get Fitbit Premium because we yeah. want you to use these metrics and also they're going to sell, you know. But like we said, who is the Pixel Watch for? It's for Pixel owners, so they're not even going to sell that many of these. So it's not even like, you know, they're going to sell more Fitbits this holiday season than they're going to sell Pixel Watches and it's not going to be close. I, I do want to like, this isn't just like, oh, like, congrats, here's six months. We'll, we'll, we'll bother you after that. Like when I set up my Pixel Watch, it was like, okay, in six months, we're going to start charging you. Like you put a card down on this. And like, I had to go into like my play store uh, settings and like immediately turn off that recurring billing. Cause I would forget. And like, it, it's yeah, that not part was yeah. super gross. I took yes. a, I took a screenshot of that because I was like, wait, this can't be right. Like as you're setting up the watch, yeah. you're forced to give them a credit card yes. and yes, you can cancel it and it won't charge you and you'll still get the six months. But it's, it's part an extra step of the onboarding process, right? Most people will not understand that they need to cancel it right away if they don't want to pay and still get it for six months. And then a lot of people are just going to forget to cancel it. And that's my problem. Yep. A hundred percent agree. Yep. So yeah, do better, Google. Like you own Fitbit. This should not be something people have to pay extra for. Other than that though, Wear OS 3.5 is actually a really good experience. I find it to be fluid on this device. A lot of people were worried that the Exynos 9100 SOC would not be powerful enough. It's fine. It's not a big deal. The battery life here is the real bummer, though. I get through the day here. I can strategically top up right before bed to get me through a night of sleep tracking. But this is not something that you're going to be using for 18 hours or like 36 hours, rather, like you can on an Apple Watch or, or a Galaxy Watch 5. And that sucks, right? Like this was the one thing we were hoping Google would solve with the new version of Wear OS and with the Pixel Watch. And like, clearly that just hasn't happened. And this is where a bigger watch might help, you know, like, yeah. like if it was a bigger shell, you could fit in, fit in a bigger body than the like, what, like 
just shy of 300 milliamps per hour. Like, it, it's, well, it's small. how much optimization were we really hoping for when this was a four-year-old chip? But it, that's the thing. I believe this was probably finalized two years ago, right? And they were waiting for Fitbit to be able to integrate with them on the software side and Samsung and Google to finish Wear OS 3. So this has probably been taped off for many, many years from a hardware perspective. I think it would explain the bezels too. Not that they bother me, but they are fairly dated. I think they do a good job of hiding it in the software, but like they are there. Like it, you know. I would not be surprised if like version two is dramatically overhauled from a hardware perspective. I agree. Although I like this hardware. I do. Like I think it's a good design. So like just finally here, you know, I want to talk about who should buy this, right? This is a $350 proposition. The Galaxy Watch 5 is cheaper. The Galaxy Watch 4, cheaper still, which is very similar to the 5, runs very similar software. You can basically get the same experience. Even the watch faces are now available on other Wear OS devices if you're so inclined and you understand wireless ADB. You can basically get there. Uh, What you won't get is this sort of holistic solution to like wearing a very simple, nicely designed, elegant smartwatch, right? The haptics on the Galaxy Watch series are not quite as good. The notifications on the version of Wear OS on a Galaxy Watch aren't as good. I think the Pixel Watch looks better. I I, I think it'll, it'll just like suit a more varied group of people in terms of style. I, I don't love the fact that, especially the five series, is just very monolithic. It doesn't stand out in any meaningful way. Whereas the Pixel Watch has an identity; it has a design. You know, you may not like it, but it has a standout design. So, you know, from that perspective, totally consider it. I would just wait for a discount before you do. Black yeah. Friday's in six weeks, less than six weeks. Oh God, shoot me! Hey, I'm depressing myself when I say <laughs> that, but. So that's it. We would love to hear from you. What do you think of the Pixel Watch? What do you think of the Pixel 7 series? Let us know, podcast at andropolice.com. We have our reviews up on the website now. Will reviewed the 7 Pro, Manuel the 7, Taylor the Pixel Watch. Go into the comments there, ask them questions. You can tweet us. Will is at Will underscore Saddleberg. Ara is at Ara Wagco. I am at Journey Dan. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, we'll get back to maybe a more newsy podcast next week uh who knows who knows what's what's gonna happen um but you'll have to stay tuned to find out until then have a fantastic week we will talk to you soon bye-bye bye guys bye